Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Pisano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live right here in the United Public Radio Network, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, and 105.3 FM from beautiful New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning, and this journey would not be the same if we didn't have them. So thank you. We appreciate you so much. Also, big appreciation to our other sponsor, Justin Snicker, Dr. Snick, a.k.a. the Sonic Surgeon, an award-winning blah, 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 composer, apologies, of Halloween horse, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found on your favorite platforms just in time for spooky season coming up. He has got new music, and you guys are going to love it perfect Halloween music. Also, big thank you to Steve McGinnis, who is responsible for our artwork. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So, of course, I am bubbleless again. No bubbles tonight. Uh, she is still down under the weather, so let's just send her some really good vibes over her way. Uh, never the same without her, of course. We miss her, and uh, really hope she gets better soon. Tonight, we welcome the return of Peter Penagor, and um, He's definitely like a favorite with a lot of the listeners. So we're really, really pleased to have him back. He's going to be talking about UFOs and extraterrestrials and ghosts. And, you know, again, as we head into spooky month, we'll be kicking it off, which is really great. And um, a little bit out of the norm, you know, because he really talks a lot about uh you know, his near-death experience and such, just you have to go back to the archives and check him out because they're really awesome segments. But in order to participate in the show tonight here in chat, uh, let's go through the list. There are eight different platforms, guys. Uh, we have Facebook, The Outer Realm, of course, Canada's Most Haunted. We've got UFO Paranormal Radio Network, United Public Radio Network, Joe Montalo, UFO Undercover, News on the Flip Side. Uh, I think I've got everything Oh, UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials on YouTube, Outer Realm on YouTube, and again, UFO Paranormal Radio on YouTube. Those are your eight platforms. I see we have people chiming in. Hey, Zuckman, Wayne, Ken, always nice to see you guys here. Um, and we're just waiting for our guests to arrive. So get your questions ready. And um, we are, it's going to be a good show. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It seems to be the week for it because... Um, you know, Constance Victoria Briggs was on last night talking, um, you know, about the moon and how, you know, um, there were just a lot of different philosophers like talking about this back in the ancient times where there was no moon. 
I hope that happened. <laughs> so that was last night's show. If you had missed it, go check out the archive on that one. It was really a lot of fun and full of information. And it definitely leaves you thinking. There's definitely something we can do here on the other realm. And that is leave you thinking. Leaves us thinking. We learn from all of our guests. It's just like you guys do. You know, we, we just so hope to you know, get something new as we go along. And sometimes we're the ones sharing information and enlightening them, which is really great because it's like more of a two-way street. So, you know, I feel like you're giving something back. But um, I think tonight's going to be great. We're going to be talking about UFOs, one of my favorite topics, and uh, extraterrestrials, again, one of my favorite topics. And, of course, ghosts. Always happy to talk about ghosts, uh, the spirit round, things like that. So I think it's really cool. Um, oh, hey, Michael, from the mountains of North Carolina, battering, batting down the hatches. Oh, boy. Preparation for an epic rain event. We just went through all that ourselves, so I'm really feeling for you guys. You, you guys stay safe over there. It's just getting crazy all over the place. My gosh. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> here we go. Yes, UFO ghosts, exactly. <laughs> Missing our favorite, like, UFO chick. Where is she, man? She's been busy, busy as well. So, um, you know, miss her, Dolly. Miss you. Come on back. You know, she's always uh, very enlightening. You guys have to go check out her segment with Preston Dennett. That one's always fun. And Preston, I believe, is coming back on in... Oh gosh, let me look, let me look, let me look. Preston is back on November the 9th because I've had people asking about that. So November the 9th is the day, guys. Oh, and here we go. Hello. Hi, Michelle. Hi, how are you? I am well, thanks. And you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I can't complain, you know, just been rained out for the last like six days. So I think we're like... Oh. <laughs> Yeah, first day of sunshine today in um whoa. Week, well, that is kind of dark and depressing. It can be. Absolutely. It can be. So, you know, glad that all is well. So, tonight's, you know, is going to be very interesting. Um I have been looking forward to it because, you know, it's all my favorite topic. I love talking just about anything that, you know, you guys bring on the show. So, where would you like to start? Well, Maybe, because we had talked about talking about um, UFOs, mm -hmm. and just as so happens, I caught okay. a glimpse of an, a, another one. So this is a strange thing in my life. Oh. Um, saw my first one in 77, which was quite a high adventure. And mm -hmm. then uh, only this year, in May, I saw another one in my, over my backyard. And just three days ago, four days ago, the same thing. Uh, so you know what uh, they say about that though, right? No, there's, there's a theory that you don't just see a UFO. There've been reports of entire towns seeing UFOs, but not everybody. Oh. So it's believed that if you were already a contactee or an experiencer, this is why you're seeing them. Oh, well, and they, interesting. right. So maybe, because, you know, that's a scrub your memory and stuff. So maybe you've been having these experiences your whole life. I found this out the hard way because it was the same for me. I never realized that some of the experiences that I had as a child were actually extraterrestrial experiences. Oh, well, I'm interested. Yeah, they follow family lines, things like that. Um, you know, so basically you're... 
your whole lineage. Chances are, you know, have you talked to your parents to find out if they've had any experiences, your mom or your dad, or going back, even their parents? And it's just, it's interesting. I have not talked to my parents about it, but I did, I did have this wild dream once about it. Okay. About my childhood. And it was a vivid dream. It wasn't a vision and it wasn't a regular dream. It was a different sort of dream. Maybe I should start Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, let's do that. That sounds exciting. So uh, a a few years ago, I don't know how many years ago this was, maybe a decade or so, I had this dream. And, And in this dream, I was lying on my back on the floor of a spacecraft. And I knew I was in a spacecraft because my sister was lying on the floor next to me. And all the neighborhood kids were all lying in sort of this big circle around on the floor, all on our backs. And I knew all the kids there, but I couldn't move. I, I, it's funny. I, I could, I knew that they were present, but I wasn't able to, um, look at them. I wasn't able to lift myself off the floor. And there were at least two people, two adults in the room, only they weren't human Mm -hmm. beings. And it was bright. And it was Mm -hmm. uh, sort of uh, clean lines. There weren't a lot of there wasn't a lot of uh, there weren't a lot of things around. It was uh, very, I don't know, want to say modernistic. That's, you know, everything was very clean line, maybe futuristic, maybe futuristic. And, And as we were lying there immobilized, this female uh, and was friendly enough, but she had this device in her hand. They, she was walking around the greater circle of us over our heads and saying, you won't remember any of this. <laughs> and it, it, Am I not right? That's, am I not right? Like scrubbing? I mean, here, I mean, this is what Michael says. He's a friend of Dolly's, actually, and Preston Dennett. And he says they, they allow you to see them. They don't ever get mistakenly get seen i i have not talked to my sister about this mostly because i don't think that she i don't know what she'd say Uh, so but (laughs) anyway and i don't know it was a a dreams but i can tell you i can know it was a dream well i well because i woke up but but it wasn't a dream it was like i woke up and i told my wife i was like and you know you tell sometimes you tell your dreams sometimes you don't tell your dreams i told this one because this dream was unlike other dreams because i was I was conscious in the, in the dream. I knew I was with my sister. It wasn't like I was dr- mm-hmm. uh, confused about that. I knew where I was. Right. And uh, I wasn't scared, but I was, I don't know, maybe scared isn't quite the right word, but I, I was alarmed, curious. Yeah, were alarmed, you... alarmed, wondering what was going on. How old were you in this dream? Like, how old oh, were you? Oh, maybe. Somewhere around seven to ten, pretty young. Yeah, so that would have been like, you know, where's my parents? Why am I here? What am I doing? I don't know. I have dreams like that even now that I've had throughout my life. I've come to learn they weren't dreams. You come to what? I couldn't hear. To learn that they were not dreams. Ah, well, it seemed like a memory to me at the time. That's that's what right. made it notable to me. Right. See, so maybe just maybe. You are having a you're an experiencer. Well, I, I did have, I did, I know I had another experience. I, if uh, this, the, what happened to me in 1977 was not erased from my mind. It didn't get lifted into any sort of craft or anything, but I right. was with four other guys. Right. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if you want to hear, hear that. I yeah, think so I'm, of course. 
Yeah. So, so I was a, I was a camp counselor in this town called Perrysburg, Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's the year I graduated high school. My buddy said, um, I'm going out to Ohio to work at this camp. Why don't you come on out? So I did, I got a job at the camp and my buddy was there and, and, um, I ended up as the rifle instructor and why that matters is because I was the only boy scout there with a merit badge. So they, I was like, I could, I knew how to handle a, a, a rifle, which meant I was responsible. Okay. That's what that, right. that's what, so I was <laughs> okay. a responsible You're person. You're the responsible guy. Okay. I was the responsible one. And, <laughs> okay. and so as the responsible one, I, I talked to the, uh, the brothers this is a, is a Catholic camp. All right. On a, and the campus of a Catholic school. So, yes. I talked the, the headmaster into letting me take the camp car with these guys to go roller skating. <laughs> so we did on, you know, so we went roller skating this night, you know, mm. the next week we're like, okay, this is part of the plan. We're going to get the camp car and we're not going roller skating, roller skating. We're going to go buy some beer. And so, so we, you're not the responsible one. Uh, no, <laughs> okay. I was, I was not. I was, uh, so, but, but it was Stroh's Bohemian beer. I remember specifically because you, because one of the guys had his ID, his fake ID, I guess. And, right. um, and it was 3.2 right. beer. So right. it was this very low alcohol beer in Ohio at the time. And so we went out, we bought this beer and somebody had some weed. And so we, I, and I drove the camp car and we, we, it's Ohio's flat. If you've never been to Ohio, <laughs> it's a flat place. But we're along the, the Maumee River, which is outside of Toledo somewhere. Perrysburg, Toledo, Bowling right. Green in that area. So, but there is this this park. And it was the park was only a few miles from the camp, but you had to drive up this windy roll or road. It was like the only hill in the area. So right. get up on this bluff overlooking the Maumee River. And it was parking lots and basketball courts, but we were the only car there. And I, you know, I put on the cassette tape. We're listening to uh, the cassette. We really age ourselves. Oh, I know. I had a cassette tape, but the car did not even have a cassette player. Okay. Oh, I no. had a cassette player. One of those, put the thing in and close it down and turn the button on. And I remember it was Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young because right. I, because I was listening to, that's what I was listening to at the time. So, right. so I popped the tape in and I turned it on and somebody in the backseat, get through three guys in the backseat and some other buddy up in the front. Um, and, and the guy, one of the guys in the backseat, I hear him pop a beer. And I'm like just about to light a bowl and, and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly the parking lot illuminates ex- like it, we're in the dark. Okay. We're in the right. dark. You know, the only thing is the, is the, I, I, I don't know, is a big lighter or not. It must've been a big lighter. The only thing, the only light lighter. is the, the big so lighter. Aging ourselves. And, um, oh. and then, but then the whole parking lot became illuminated. Like, right. like suddenly somebody clicked on the lights and, right. and we were, and I'm like, and everybody in the car freezes, and I and I remember looking out of the window. The front, I was I was the driver, so I looked out of the window, and I looked at the at the light. You know, there's a light on a pole, but the light's not on. And I'm like, okay, boys. I say, I think it must be the cops. We're all all right. We're all Catholic school boys. We all went to Catholic school. We're from all over the United States, but we're all Catholic school boys. And so I'm like, hey, boys. You know, it's the cops. We're busted. We got to give ourselves up. What are we gonna do? So they all agree because we're trying to be good boys. And um, so we, I, we all get out of the, I said, all right, everybody, let's get out of the car. So we all get out of the car and we, and I open the door and I get out of the car and I look behind the car and everybody turns around and look behind the car. Cause that's where you expect the cops to be, but there was nobody behind us. Hmm. And, and it was at that point, I realized the entire place was illuminated like daylight. And so I, and we all kind of looked up at the same time 
and the entire it was like suddenly we were indoors and there was a ceiling over us it was just this ceiling of light and it, and it, it was huge and it was completely silent there were no crickets because there had been crickets and we could still hear the river, but there was no, there were no insects, no insect noises. Mm -hmm. The Not the typical sounds you expect to hear when you're out in dark and at night. No, it was just, it all went okay. silent and right. overhead, uh, maybe three tree tops, like a tree, a tree and a tree and a tree stacked on top of each other. That's where this ceiling of light was. There's the entire ceiling of light. It was flat and it was white and it was light. And I, we were all drop, drop jawed. And I remember like looking with my eyes down this way, trying to see the starlight, you know, where's the sky? And I look all this distance and finally I can see the edge of this light and then there's the sky. And we're like, what is this? And we all start talking. We're all looking around. We're all getting really excited. We don't know what we're looking at. And then this, it just starts to drift away like a like it had been stationary and silent, completely silent and and flat. And it just starts to drift away. And like, get in the car. Let's all get in the car. So we got, got in the car and it's moving very slowly down the hill. It's kind of going down. And so we get in the car and we turn the car around. I turn the car around and we go after this thing and we wind our way. We're losing because we're, we're winding down the road and it's going straight. So we're losing. We're getting further and further behind. And we get down to this this road. It's like a small highway kind of thing, a two road, two lane kind of thing. And it goes to the right. So and now and we're going pretty fast. And I was like, hey, everybody, guys, throw all the beer out the window. So we throw all the beer out the window. We throw the pipe, the pipe, the weed, everything goes out the windows because we're going to because we you know if we get caught, we don't want to get caught with this stuff. So like, get rid of no. everything. We're going after it. So everybody throws everything out the windows and we and I floor it. Mm -hmm. And now we're, we're behind it. Maybe. Oh, I don't know, 80, 70 feet, not very far at all behind it. And it's just above treetop level and it's cruising and it's going in a straight line. And we're, guy, I'm hanging out the window and guys are hanging out the window. We're trying to look at this thing and it's ahead of us and we're faster and faster and faster. And it's the, it's the road that the camp is on and, the, and this road goes right through the middle. Of, it's a, it's a, it's a school campus basically. Right. And it goes right past on the right hand side of the dormitories <laughs> and the, uh, administration office and the school room and all that kind of stuff, the gym. And on the left are the, the horse barn, the rifle range, the pond, those sorts of things. And in cornfields, lots of cornfields, lots of soy fields. We go blowing mm -hmm. through the middle of this. And I remember looking down at the speedometer because I was because I was driving the camp car through the middle of, of the campus going almost 90 miles an hour. And I thought for sure someone was going to see us. And so we go blowing through the middle of campus and, um, and it's still ahead of us. And I've, I've got it floored. It's this old, like a Ford LTD. Right. And um, so it's like a boat. It's, it's like a boat. It was. It was kind of floaty. And, and we and there was there was right. the river on our right hand side, but we couldn't see it because it was behind the trees and some distance away. Mm. But all the roads are right angled. And so we get to this road that is a right angle turn to the bridge that goes into uh, the the. Uh, Maumee was across the river. That's the name of the town. I was trying right. to remember what it was. It's the bridge to Maumee. And we get to this thing and I'm, we're doing about 90 miles an hour. And it made a, in front of us, it made a right angle turn. Right. It, it, it was going 90 at this point, And then it was going 90 at that point. It never slowed down. It just went like a, like a zip, zip. But see how my hand stops? Yeah. There was no stop. It just went, right. whoa, we're like, what? And by the, and whoosh, and now we're past it. 
And uh, so I slammed on the brakes and there was a cornfield to the next, to the left of us down kind of an embankment. And I spun the wheel and into the air over the embankment, into the cornfield, the poor farmer, I don't even know what he thought the next day, but I wiped out a whole bunch of baby corn, like in this big slide skid. And I, and I have the accelerated down because now I'm like, we're going to get stuck in the cornfield. So I'm trying to plow this car, this rear wheel drive car through this cornfield. And we do this big skid and I, I get the car around and we get some traction and we go straight and up in the air over the embankment onto the road. And, and I floor it. Now we're, on the way to Maumee to this road with this bridge on it. And it's waiting for us. It's like a quarter mile ahead of us. And it's just sitting there of uh, three or four treetop, you know, tree lengths up. It's just very wow. stationary. And we're come blowing up on it really fast. And as we got to it, it, it shot off like a, like light, like, like a, well, faster. It was like, it was like light stretching and we could still see the light where it was by the time it was gone out of the atmosphere wow. and so we stopped the car of course and we're all like what was that we saw a ufo and um there were corn stalks sticking out from underneath the car so everybody's underneath the car trying to pull the corn stalks out so we don't get caught and and then we decided that we had done all these illegal things and we were just we were we were not we going only to then decided that <laughs> well no we we knew that we had done okay. them i should say because we had done all these illegal things <laughs> we decided that we weren't going to tell anybody what we had right. seen because we were, if we told people what we saw we were going to have to explain to the camp everybody mm -hmm. there what had happened so we we caught it we shut we our weren't roller off. skating no, so after years and years and years go by, and I don't, I don't, right. you know, this is crazy talk for a lot of people. So uh, I don't, I don't tell before anybody. You, I don't you, tell. As, before you jump into like, yeah, too many years ahead. Do you recall having any kind of missing time? Uh, no, I, I, I don't remember any missing time. Uh, okay. I don't, and maybe there was. I don't know yeah. if there was. It was a shared experience, and nobody missed it. Yeah. Um, what right. I do remember is, is that the guy popped open his beer. I, re I remember distinctly hearing the beer pop open in the back. Uh, and right. then the next thing I knew, the whole thing was illuminated and, and he was still holding the beer. And it's like, right. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. Curiosity, because a lot of people who in situations like that will report some kind of missing time because they've actually been taken on board. And then you just kind of get dropped back in and continue like, yeah, I've got a friend like that. Um, who talks about that but i but not for you but not you for me of. not that i know of and right. maybe when i was a kid i don't but i can't yeah. I, I don't really know so right okay so, so now i decided not to, yeah now now i decide not to I, we decide not to tell anybody we're not going to yeah. tell anybody this so right. i and i know that it's tinfoil hat talk for a lot of people or at least especially back then so I never mm -hmm. told anybody until the Pentagon now five years ago came out with the UFOs chasing the U.S. ships off the coast of San Diego. I'm like, OK, now I can talk about it. Now so I, I can make this, talk about it. <laughs> I make this little video and I put it up on my on my channel. And I was like, yeah, I saw this thing with my friends. And right. but I don't remember who they are because we were all camp counselors. And it was a long time ago. I was 18. And so so years right. ago, two, two or three years go by and I get this this phone call or this, how did it start? It started with an email. It started with an email and this woman writes to me and says, are you Peter Panagor? Um, were you in Perrysburg, Ohio? I watched your video. I was there then. I, I, I know about this. I'm like, oh, there was no woman in the car. I thought to myself, 
So what was that all about? So I write back to her and she says, no, I wasn't with you, but I was with, I'm friends of the guys who were with you. So somebody talked. Somebody talked. Because she, it turns out she worked in the kitchen at the camp. Yes, somebody told oh, okay. them uh, there was there was some kind of buddy buddy thing going on there, and I it was, and um, <laughs> right. and I didn't even really remember this woman, and but I talked to these guys. I talked to two of these guys. Uh, they were they were both still very uh, religious people and involved in the Catholic Church, and uh, mm. had a retreat have a retreat center up in Canada. Invited me along, but we we I didn't go, but we but I found the guys. That was right. that's the thing. I had this conversation with them about it. Right. So all this time, all that, that all that happened, and I kept my mouth shut about it for years and years. And then this past May, um, this other buddy of mine, a guy I went to grad school with, was visiting me. We were good friends, and we don't get to see each other very often. He lives far away. And so he came out to Maine, where I live. And my wife was away, so it was just the two of us at the house. And so we let a, a fire. I'm pointing to the behind me because that's where the fire pit is out there right. behind me. There's a fire pit out there. and. Um, right. <laughs> So I got a stack of wood and I light up a fire and we're sitting around, we're sipping something, you know, and having a nice night. It's, it's, it's late May. And he says to me, so I want to take some pictures. Why don't you do something silly? So it's dark and this can't firelight. So I, I do this. Something, you know, just, and, and, and I, as I, as I do that and I look up like right in my field of view that I would not have seen had I not done that was this big, huge white orb. And it, it was behind. So I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking through an oak tree with baby leaves on it, uh, because it's it's still it's Maine. Maine so it's you know yeah. it's May, but it's still kind of things are still coming out. So sure. there's this huge white orb in the sky, and above this white orb, which is moving very slowly, <clears throat> are clouds, and the clouds are going by, and this wind, and so there's these thin high clouds, and they're blowing by in the wind, and behind the clouds, of course, is the moon. And it's, I don't know, half a moon or something like that. Right, so I've right. got this three-layered effect going on. There's the moon, there's the clouds, there's this orb, and then there's this tree, and this orb is behind the tree. I was like, what is that thing? And I'm staring at it. I'm kind of looking through the tree at it and I'm trying to figure out whether it's blinking, is it flashing, what's going on, how come it's – because it, it's going behind the tree. And so finally it comes out behind the tree. I get up and I go on the deck. I get up I get up a little bit higher. There's a deck on the end of our house. And – and there is this round white object in the sky below the trees moving extraordinarily slowly, just sort of very steady moving along in a straight line. And I, and I thought, well, that's, some, is that a, is that a satellite? You know how satellites move? Mm -hmm. They're very straight. I pull mm -hmm. up my binoculars at night and I can see there's so many satellites in the sky. You can see them moving. Yes, you can. And, and and it moved like that, but it was below the cloud level and it was big. Uh, mm. I couldn't tell how big it was because I had nothing to judge it against, but it right. seemed like it might have been within a mile of us. Mm -hmm. um, that's a guess. And right. and so my buddy pulled out his, he had his camera in his hand because he was taking a picture of me. So he videotaped it. He got a little video of it, but he had a shaky hand. So yeah, it, right. looks, it looks like a ball yeah. moving around. Right. It, right. right. And so it looks <laughs> like the ball that. is moving, but that's not yeah. what was happening. It was going very straight. Yes. And I remember thinking to myself, I should run inside and grab my binoculars. They're three rooms away. Right. And I thought, but if I do that, I might not see it. So I stay and I watch it. But your buddy saw it. My brother, well. yeah. Okay, and and he's, he, he's, a, he's a reputable person with, with uh, uh, a reputable profession. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. right. And, so. and has he had any experiences himself? Nope. 
that he knows of. No, he has not. It's we that theory about that. again that only experiencers can see them. So maybe he just maybe he know. did. Well, he's he's a a, a mystical seen? sort of person. Then I would think yes. Could be. So so then, all right. So now it's it's this week or last week, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm still in the same place I live in. Right. And I and now of course the sun goes down earlier because it's autumn, and yes. so I step out in the front little tiny front deck, and and I look up and there it is again. Only same this one? time it's well, it looks the same to me. Only only now I can see like it's got it's a round ball, but it's got sort of like a flute on top, like a little tiny like there's something sticking up out of it. But oh, I, which so I that's interesting. I don't know. It's but but so it's sort of like a it's like a I. I it's like this. I'll show you this. So this is a, 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 a an ornament that a friend of mine made for us that I broke. It's a Christmas ornament. You can see that it's broken? Okay. It's sort of... It, it's like, sorry. I oh. ruined it. So. Right. And I ruined it, but I really like it, so I keep it. But it was sort of... It was round like this, only it wasn't blue. It was white. And, right. and this this little nub up here, it was it was sort of from this line, and it kind of stuck up. And I thought... So it had this like chimney sort of thing on it, but it was it was solid white and against a dark sky with, mm -hmm. with stars in it. And it it was a, cl a clear night uh, and it was much lower than the stars and much bigger than the stars. And I thought to myself, my binoculars and it's moving across this field of vision. I've got this very large field of vision mm -hmm. and it's in the middle of it and it's moving very slowly. And I and I thought, well, this time I'm going to get my binoculars. I have enough time. They're maybe five feet from me now. So right. I, I open the door, I go in the house, I grab the binoculars, I come outside and it's gone. Ah. And, I, and I looked around, I was like, well, if it's, and I thought, if it's moving at the speed on this trajectory, it should be here, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not there. We're, it, so I didn't, I don't know what happened to it. I don't know where it went, mm -hmm. uh, but I know, I know we are not alone. This is, no. this, this universe of ours is is vastly huge. What I read, I was reading about the furthest star that the telescopes have ever seen. It's like 94 billion light years away or something like that. Crazy. It's a very big place we live in. Mm -hmm. um, and well, go ahead. No, I say if you, if you look into ancient histories, just go back into the ancients, go back to biblical times. You can go in and see... Um, you know, people there having had uh, extraterrestrial experiences. Enoch is your biggest example. Uh, you know, they call him the very first abductee, right? Ezekiel has all kinds of experiences. Da Vinci had all kinds of experiences. There are paintings that go back, you know, hundreds of years, hundreds, literally. With, the, with little spacecraft in them in the corner. Yeah, kind of see? Exactly. Now mm -hmm. look at all the cave art, you know, that that is like spans all over the world of UFOs. Just look at um, the different monuments and pyramids, especially down in South America. That's the more recent stuff compared to, let's say, the pyramids of Egypt. But there are evidence literally everywhere that um, depict, they depict extraterrestrials they depict different types of crafts and how can we say that they don't exist well and can i show you know? yes sorry i'm sorry i saw this crazy thing this me? week in the news so in the news i, I uh, of course you can you know, screen share you know I, oh i can 
Well, let me yeah, let me can. do that. See, let wait, me look at you at up. the bottom. You've got where it says share screen okay. share. You can do that. Let me open this up, and I will I will show you this image okay. that I found to be pretty amazing. Okay, where is it? Let's see. Okay. I I send I use my. I, I text things to myself. I don't know if anybody else does that. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So I texted this to myself. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that I let's see screen share. Yeah, you can share right off the bottom and, share. and it asks you what you're you want to go grab it from. Do that and it'll come up on the screen. Side. Share Our guests screen. guests do it all the time. Open preferences. There we go. Share this. Okay. Do you see it? Oh, wait a minute. Go to system preferences. Unlock this bottom left. Can all right. So hold on. No, if you click share, if you click, I'm just going to try to walk through it. Go okay. up to where it says share screen, and I, then it'll ask you where you want to take it from, and just go click I, on the file. I, I did. Yeah. Share screen. Click on the file. Share. Yeah. You go it's to still, where it says it's Chrome. Still telling... Chrome. Go to Chrome tab or wherever it is you have this thing, and grab it. Unlock the screen. Or window or. Yeah, it's giving me trouble. Um, okay. Because well, I've got to. Maybe... Yeah, it's okay. all right. I'll just show you. I'll just show you on my okay. on my camera. Sure. Because um, right. I can do that. That's okay. right here. But this is. Uh, I'll read it to you too. This okay. is the official logo of. Let's see. The logo in question is the official seal for the National Intelligence Manager Aviation. N-I-M-A, who resides along with their staff within the office of the National Director of Intelligence. U.S. Air Force Major General Daniel Simpson is the current NIMA uh, commander and is also the executive director for the National Air Force of Intelligence. Okay, so, yes, this is an official thing. That's mm -hmm. what that's. So look at this. Where are you? I'm looking. I have to go all the way back and find you here. Um. All right, so I'm going to hold up my camera to that right there. See that right there? Yeah, I don't we know see that. Yes, yes, okay, yes, so yes. See, I, I've seen this before. Okay, you have seen this. So this I is have. the this Recently, is the yeah. official logo. It's in the news. It's the official logo, and it's got these one, two, three, four, five crafts yeah. of the things that yes. they track, and they track yes, uh, Russian advanced combat jets, uh, drones. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. hypersonic and, mm -hmm. and, and aircraft and jet fighters and UFOs. UFOs. I mean, it is right there. In yes. The... So, there it so is. He, yes. So here yes. is the, the, our, you know, and a lot of people have like and dislike the federal government for all sorts of various reasons. But the, but the thing is they don't do that kind of stuff unless they're serious about it. I think so, because they've had their disclosures, and the United States was the last country to actually disclose. You look at places like, I, we were just talking about this last night, um, Brazil and Peru, for example, they, they, that's, that's a hot zone down in South America. And they have been encouraging their pilots, whether they're military or not military, to disclose and share information on sightings, on um, UFOs or UAPs. Um, and all the information gets collected and it goes to this center, this organization that is open to anyone who wants to go and research um, extraterrestrial life and all of these different crafts and experiences. And because they have them all the time. France has been the same. Russia has been, I mean, they disclosed like a long time ago. 
And I know that uh, my producer, Joe Montaldo, and I do a show called The Gray Zone. And uh, The Gray Zone Uncensored, I'll say the, the, the full name. And we, we did a segment one time, and we kind of laugh about it now because there's this whole, what they call CE5, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, where you mm. can call them to you. And Russian scientists were doing this in the 70s and 80s. They said, we didn't have to go to space because they would go to this one area near one of their Air Force bases and they could call them forward and they would come and they would study them and they would, they would like, they're like, why do we have to go, go to space? They just come when we call them. Wow. And now there's this entire movement going on where you can just go out there and, you know, go through the whole process and just call them forward. I've read about that. No, I've seen Dr. videos. Greer does it. That's, yeah. that's the guy I was thinking of. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But, you know, you can actually do this on your own. And I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate me saying it, but um, but I'll plug it. I'll plug it. He, he does have an app also that you people can purchase and that they can learn how to do it all based on his steps. Um, he also has events where people can go out with him to the desert. Um, it's quite costly. I mean, for me, I think $5,000 a person is kind of ouch, but you know, a lot of people have experiences, but a lot of people using the app have experiences, but this is like a telepathic thing. I could tell you for me, you know, when I started having more conscious um, experiences where I, I was remembering things coming through, it was literally just me saying, okay, I'm ready. And within a few days, this big flash of light came right through my bedroom. And that's one of the th things that happens. And I was just like, oh, God, what the hell was that? <laughs> you know, because the house here is, is very high up. You know, we're, we're like on, on the second floor, we're way up. And it's a very, very quiet street. So I'm looking at cars coming forward. I'm like, could the lights have come in? And nothing like that. It was just too high. Um, so like, okay. So I just started watching for little signs. And I mean, at one point I had like a gray standing right in the bedroom beside me, like right beside the bed. I just look like I'm not asleep. I'm just like, I just remember <laughs> me saying, I think I'm ready. And then, you know, this, this guy standing here and I'm just like, nope. And I roll over. <laughs> nope. Not this night. <laughs> Pull the covers up over your head. <laughs> yeah. I just roll over the other way. Went, mm -mm. <laughs> it's not going to be a thing right now. But it, it took me a while to really um, come to terms with the fact. I think people have a, a really big fear of extraterrestrials and and maybe rightly so with with some experiencers i personally once i had an understanding and once i started getting the signs and understanding the signs and downloads and visions um you know i mean it's just something weird about them coming in your room at night or I, i'd have i'd have their hands on my head sometimes i could feel that at night and it's like I don't like being touched when I'm sleeping. <laughs> just weird ass things, you know? You're creepy. <laughs> no, it just wigs you out, you know? Mm -hmm. But I realize you're, they're either exchanging information, giving it to me, taking it, whatever the case may be. But I learned that I didn't have to be in fear. I'm not in fear. And it's a whole other experience. So when you're calm, when you're calm. Now, now I see signs, you know, the whole house will go really, 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 really dark, which is weird because there's a tower in this house and there's a street light that beams in to the tower. It lights up the whole, uh, the whole upper floor when it goes on. And you know that when that street lights on and you can't see your hand in front of your face, 
case you know you got company. So, you know, you just kind of get used to things like that. And then it's like, okay, I've got company. Then, then it just got to the point where we're like, okay, well, clearly they don't like the lights. And we just left the whole wing of the house just dark. Just like, yeah, okay, whatever, man. <laughs> Can't beat them, join them. You know, it's kind of like that. But do you, like, how is it for you? Like, you obviously don't have a fear. I mean, you must be very intrigued to see a lot of this stuff. Have you, have you had any kind of experiences to your knowledge, even in, I mean, you mentioned your dreams, having two humanoid type beings in that, you what you call a dream i think maybe it's i do believe that maybe it's a memory um you had two humanoid beings like did that does that whole thing wig you out or you think you'd be comfortable if you saw well i i I, i'd be willing to go that's what i tell myself it's like you're gonna come and take me into your super advanced futuristic spacecraft there we go i'm down let's do it right (laughs) you know take take me for a ride um but i like that i like that so people are some people are afraid um yeah people are afraid of what they don't know i kind of think about it as there's so many galaxies and so many planets and so many civilizations some are bound to be borg-like you know to use a a star trek sort of or or, you know and some are not and so some probably are friendly and some aren't like uh my you know people you live in your town with with right people sure. right yeah um I so agree. I, I i'm generally not uh too ups I'm, I, I i'm always thrilled i'm always sort of chasing it like where's my binoculars can i go and get, right. get a closer look so I, one right. day i get i get the story of this guy from harvard <clears throat> so i live in maine and my friend who who was abducted who was also so i spent i spent 15 years in television and, and this guy was one of the weather guys in our local market and i got to know right. this guy and and he he had a he has a friend who was who worked for the Smithsonian Harvard Smithsonian Astrophysics uh, Organization in Cambridge Massachusetts and he he made this communication with this guy his name is Rudolf Schild and Rudolf Schild was a physicist he's still around he's retired but his big his big discovery in physics had to do with uh, I think it's black hole radiation uh, magnetics, something like right. that. I'd have to look it up to be sure exactly what it is. But anyway, so mm-hmm. one of the things I told my buddy was that I thought that astrophysicists were the theologians of the 21st century right. because they're asking the unadorned question about why things are. Mm-hmm. And if that's the question the theologians used to ask, right. and, but now the physicists are asked, asking it in mathematics. And so the word got back to Rudolf Schild, and this is maybe 10 years ago. And so Rudolf Rudy invited me and my friend down to Cambridge for like five hour conversation in his in his his kitchen. It was mm. it was lunch and then a glass of wine and then a cup of coffee and then a drive home. But during this conversation, among the many things that we talked about, he said that he and some of his peers think that there's a, some sort of they're observing a correlation between near-death experiencers, which I am, uh, mm-hmm. near-death experiencers and extraterrestrial contact. And he thought oh. that it was fascinating that I was that I had these two things. Now, so I yeah, it's not the, just two things. You've had two, at least two NDEs. I've had the and two NDEs. Pretty freaking spectacular to boot. So 
Yeah, they were life changing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Go so back I, to the other three or two shows for that, guys. So, but he was saying that, yeah. that he thinks that there's some sort of that that, that there are there's some sort of correlation between NDEs and extraterrestrials. Okay. He doesn't know what it is, and I don't either. I'm just bringing that in right. as part of the conversation, right? Um, but that's that fascinating he, because you have had both. I have, you know. So your your earliest recollection, I guess that's your your the earliest memory or dream that you had was with you and your sister being in you know with other kids, which is kind in of in my neighborhood. In who I who I actually still know some of these guys. Do they remember the same? Like I don't. Like, I haven't had the courage to ask them, frankly. Oh, so you don't know if you're all like if you all shared in that memory no, or not? I don't know because because oh. you know I I'm. I, as a, as a near death experiencer, I'm 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 already suspect right. among a certain population, <laughs> um, and so and I don't know who is who. Who do I ask? And and right. um, and I know I I I'll, I'll get up the courage to ask my sister. She I should at least ask her. I'll be curious um, to see if you if if both of you or others just shared in that experience. If you're both sharing in it, that's. I, I think then you're definitely more than a dream. Harris Dolly. Hello, Dolly. I just want to break out in song every time I see you, Dolly. So she says, advanced people are advanced in all aspects, including morality. Dolly would know. Dolly is a big time uh, conscious um, experiencer. So you have, to, you have to definitely get to know Dolly and all of her experiences. Mind blowing. So psychic experience conjoins all contact. Hmm. Yes, I absolutely believe that. Um, yes, but it would be interesting for sure. And I think it would be interesting if you contacted or rather asked your family members. I'll ask my sister and, and a couple of kids in the neighborhood. I, I know that two of these people, we're all grown up now, we're all adults. And one of them, <clears throat> I know he was, I, I saw him there. I, I know that that one kid was there. Uh, he was my he was my neighborhood one of my neighborhood friends at my age yeah. group. Right. Um, there were a lot of us in that room too. There was right. I don't know ten of us or more. So um, it's like a mass experience, which is really. But the fact that you're all lying in a circle on on your backs and you see these two humanoid figures that are not like human beings, but they were at least but not they were beautiful. We they were yes. good looking. They were good looking. Right. Can you describe them? Uh, they were there. Everything was sort of white. It was very clean. It was like being mm -hmm. in a, cl a clean space. And they were wearing, they were wearing clothes. <clears throat> the clothes mm -hmm. were skin tight and they were white um, mm -hmm. and kind of uni uniform, uni um, like not, not like a uniform, like a military uniform, but uniform in that they all kind of wore the same thing. Right. Um, there was right. some variation, but there were men and women. There was at least a man and a woman. Um, and I, I, I can sort of see a third person off to the side, mm -hmm. um, but then they were tall because I was a kid. So everybody was right. tall, but they were tall and they were right. slender and they were good looking. And they right. and, and she spoke to us without language. So she was she telepathically okay. told us that she didn't move her lips when she said, you're not going to remember any of this. Um, Great. She was, I heard it inside <laughs> my head. And um, right. Right. And then had this device in her hand and, and kind of went around the, the circle of all of us. And, and I remember looking up at her as it was passing over me. And I was scared when she was doing 
expecting this. I was I was scared that they, she was they were they were doing something to me that I could not do anything about. Um, right. I was immobilized, but I wasn't frightened. I was like, "What's she doing? What's she doing?" Alarmed is the word you use. That's the Alarmed, word. What's she doing yes. to us? Right. Um, right. Well, I mean, you're so kid, you're not your parents. You're the whole neighborhood kids, kind of wondering how this happened. Right. But <laughs> I'd be a little bit alarmed as well. But do you find like I found when I started remembering back to some of my experiences as a child, especially around your age of seven when this happened, I was always looking to the stars i would spend hours just looking up and looking at stars we saw crafts all the time so did my father so did my mother i find out my mother's father ended up like he ended up with a telescope he was always looking to the stars so i have both sides of my parents mm. like both sides having all of these experiences and i'm thinking coincidence <laughs> I don't believe in coincidences. So that, you know, it's a, a lineage thing. This, this I do know. So in, in, you know, speaking with my parents, have you guys had experiences? Yes. Um, so did my grandparents, especially on my mother's side. Mm. We got, just kept going back, back, back. But when I learned about my lineage, I'm like, this makes sense. Hmm. So I'm not I able to think... ask my dad, but maybe I could ask my mom, but. I'm curious. Yeah, but it's kind of hard to approach some things, you know. Well, I, I, you I, I'm. I'm. Well, I, well, she would. She would love me no matter what I said. But right. Um, <laughs> but course. I. But but I. I, I know that as a, as a near death experiencer, they mm -hmm. they my family they love me, but nobody's read my book, and I, this is international they don't bestseller. Go there, do they? Mm -mm. But you come from like a pretty staunch. You know, religious family as well, right? Well, they they did, they they were. Uh, my right. dad uh, passed away mostly agnostic. Um, oh wow, fairly, that's really interesting. With me at his side, and and yeah. he, you know, he really didn't understand um, mm -hmm. me after I died. So, but right. but so the the religion the religion was kind of cultural. It was it, we were all raised in it. But right. everybody sort of fell away in some way or another over the years. Oh, it's most yeah. it's mostly that yeah. my family is pretty uh, intellectual. I have a pretty intellectual family, and and right. you know this is not a reasonable thing. So that makes sense. So it does. It's it's, it's it is like right out there. So they'd be sort of looking at you, going, "Oh, here's something else." He's, he's got another <laughs> weird else. thing up his <laughs> I guess the NDE wore off, so now we've got to get right. to something, uh, something else. It's crazy guy. Oh, um, yes, yes. So, uh, so that's yeah, that's 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 kind of wiggy. Like, so let's branch off from there. Um, you know, you you, I I mean, I highly recommend that you definitely go a little deeper with it because I mean, if you're, you're having all these experiences, I'm thinking you've had them for a long time. I'm thinking you'll continue to have them. Maybe you just need to go out at night, sit down and just call them. I will give that a try. Cause just last night I was sitting out in the front deck with the binoculars looking at the stars. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and right. we don't have a lot of light pollution where I live. I live in a rural place. And lucky, so there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of galaxies. Our galaxy shows up every night. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll give that a try. I grew up up north, clear skies. I'd see that's where you see so clearly, you know. But so let's. I mean, if, I find myself because um, I've had a lot of experience even with spirits in the spirit realm, and 
I find that the two go hand in hand. And I've come to learn after a couple of decades of being in the field of the paranormal that things, even with myself thinking were paranormal events growing up, I realized they weren't, I mean, I had paranormal events, but I think a lot of it was also ET contact. Mm. And I obviously never been uncomfortable with it. You just tend to forget, I think, as an adult, but as a child, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't be looking to the stars. I still look to the stars. I still look to them. I've always looked to the stars. I've always just been, you know, intrigued with it and like looking for something, but, you know, not a lot to remember everything. So it's like, what am I looking for, <laughs> you know, but helping people in the paranormal, I have realized that a lot, at least half of the people I've assisted have had ET contact. And sometimes mm. their issues have not been paranormal. They have been extraterrestrial. Mm. So um, let's talk about the paranormal a bit. Let's talk about ghostly experiences. Have you had any of those? Because right. we're coming to October. <clears throat> we're coming mm -hmm. to spooky month. So let's just, let's just delve a little yes. bit. Yes. I definitely have. And I, okay, good. as an end, as a near death experiencer, that's a pretty common thing to see the dead. Yes. Um, I, I'm not, it's not a common thing in my life. Uh, mm -hmm. I've seen only a couple of times. So the, the, the biggest event that happened to me, I, I'm a, I'm a parade stilt walker. So I've, oh, I, nice. I, I have a friend who does the same thing. I love it. It's a shtick and yeah. it's really, it's really fun. And yeah. uh, so I've been, doing, I just do local parades and I walk. Yeah, so that's talent, man, you're way up there. <laughs> well, you're way up there. That's for sure. There's, there's one rule with stilt walking and that is don't fall. Um, right. <laughs> and my, my stilts are, if people, people had their, someone come in and put mud on their walls, they have, they have sheetrock put up and taping and mud yes, or yes. painters. They've got stilts with, with feet on the bottom. My, my stilts don't have feet on the bottom. They have, they come down to a post or theater spilled stilts. Right. So, right. so I, I was doing this parade <clears throat> at this place called the pumpkin fest. Nice. It's a pumpkin fest parade. The whole, you know, the town has this big pumpkin thing and sure. people come in from all over, but I'd never done this parade. It's up the river from me. And, but I'd never done this parade and I was late. There was something going on. I threw my stilts in the car, got my costume, got to a top hat with covered with stalks of corn. And, <laughs> and uh, so I look like a scarecrow and, and I'm late and I don't know where the parade begins. So I pull out my iPad and I look up the where the parade begins. And, the, and I was like the pumpkin fest parade. And I, and I click it. And the first thing that comes up is a news report. And this news report is uh, Shriner dies at pumpkin fest parade. I'm like, <laughs> good oh. times. So wow. I, I read this thing and <clears throat> Shriners, at least where we are, have these little go-karts. They all wear their fezzes yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. you know, they do the go-kart thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so in, in this town, there's a salt river. And so salt river, this salt river is a short river and it's all salt water and has a very high tide. Like it goes through this very narrow channel. It's lots of water. It goes to this very narrow channel in this river where there's a lot of water flow. And there's this short bridge between these two towns. Right. So I'm on my stilts. I, I read this article about the Shriner who's, who's on this bridge in his go-kart going to do a, a, so there's people on the sidewalk. There's like two lanes mm -hmm. and there's sidewalks. People, kids are sitting there and, and there's a ramp. And he and he's going for the ramp. He's going to do a little jump only. He miscalculates. He only gets two wheels on the ramp and he flips over and hits his head doing, you know, however fast he was going smacko. And and it's a, a, I'll leave out the description, but it was a terrible yeah. thing. 
Right. And, right. and everybody's horrified and he dies right there. This is like two years before. And so I read this article like, whoa, whoa, yeah. Um, but where's the parade begin? So I find out where the parade begins. I drive there. I get there. I'm on time. I, I, I'm doing this parade. I'm having the best parade I've ever had, which means that the kids are loving me. I'm there for the children. They're running right. through my legs. I'm handing out lollipops. It's really we're having a great time. And it's a great parade. Mm -hmm. So I come down the hill and I get to the bridge and, and I can go really fast. I've got a long stride so mm -hmm. I can I can cruise and when i was younger i could jump on them and spin and kick and do all these kind of fun right. things and without and, throwing out your back without <laughs> well i always okay so i would always make yeah. a chiropractic appointment for the next morning <laughs> yeah as and, you get older it's like oh better not try that oh, again. <laughs> oh not doing that and right. so i i i'm in the middle of the road on the double yellow line uh going is just trucking down and and as I get to the bridge, I, I look to the middle of the bridge and there's a couple of my neighbors. They live mm -hmm. down on the point down there. And I was like, ah, I'm going to do something fun for them. So as I as I cruise down, I have the, all this speed the, with the stilts. If I, 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 I can pivot on one foot, take all of that momentum and push it in another direction, sort of like that that UFO thing. Only right. I have to stop, <laughs> but I take all that power and I put another direction. And then mm -hmm. I so I, I do that. I, I, I pivot on one foot. I step three steps toward them and, and I then jam my stilts into the ground, drop my butt down and stop like right fast, like really fast. And it's a little scary for people, but it's super fun because they realize it's totally safe. Only when I do this this time on this bridge, as I stop, I'm I'm maybe two feet in front of the sidewalk where they're sitting, which is up against the railing, which is over, which is the river. And mm -hmm. as I stop, my right stilt breaks. Boom. Oh. And so I and I had made a mistake. So my my stilts have these heavy lag bolts that run through the middle of them on which are are pivoting platforms. Mm -hmm. And it's all these washers and nuts and bolts. And and mm -hmm. I couldn't get the right size lag bolt two days before. So I got mm -hmm. one size down. Right. And and so but there's a lot of pounding on these lags. Boom, 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 boom. And so I slam into this and this lag bolt shears off. Boom. But I have all this momentum going forward. And so but I also have these straps. I've got I, I'm duct taped into my stilts, but I've got straps so that if it breaks, I mm -hmm. slide down my stilt preparation. Right. But, <laughs> but as I do this, I stop short. The stilt breaks. And my momentum, I see myself, I suddenly have this vision of myself, I, I pop out of myself. And as I pop out of myself, I see, I see myself going over the railing, I see myself going over the railing into the river with my stilts on and my and my costume. And there was no way I was going to survive. Because my stilts are huge and heavy and, and that would have taken and, you right down. I would have I, in this, and it was this tumultuous flow going through there. Sure, I'm just thinking another indeed. <laughs> well, well, that's you know, the worst thing. Was the worst thing uh, as I'm doing this, I'm thinking right. to myself because uh, I'm I was on television at this time in our local market, and and I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be on the freaking news. It's going to be like sp Reverend Morning, uh, Daily Reverend Peter Panagore dies. Still walking in a river accident in a spectacular way in front of this crowd on the same spot where this other guy dies. Oh, All this so is like inside something of something with the spot, maybe. I'm in the same place. And oh. so I, I see myself, I literally see myself. 
I can see the water. I'm like seeing the water coming toward me. And, right. and, and I pop out of myself. So I have this out of body experience. I pop out of myself. I see this happening, but I also see me and I see behind me this amorphous gray uh, cloud uh, shape. Okay. It's, it, it's an amorphous gray shape. And, and as I see this, um, I pop back into my body and instead of going over the edge, I go straight to the ground. Boom. And I land and I, I twist my ankle and, and I'm lying, I'm lying on the ground in front of my neighbors. They're horrified. Everybody's horrified. And, and, and I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And this buddy of mine comes running over and, and he runs over and he's like, Peter, and he, he's like, you're okay. Are you okay? I, I saw this happening. And, and he, he, and this other young man, uh, his, one of his proteges and a lacrosse uh, player, this young, other young man runs to the other side of the road, pulls off his shirt, and he's ready to go over the railing. My buddy's on this side. He's ready to go over the railing. That's why he's next to me um, it, to go in to rescue me. They had already decided they're going to go in after me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like, no, no, George, I'm okay. I'm okay. And, and I'm really embarrassed. Okay. I'm really embarrassed. I scared all these people. I didn't mm-hmm. mean to do that. I put on my stilts. And I mean, I pick up my stilts and I and I walk kind of. I get a little twisted ankle and I walk toward. I'm okay. I'm pretending I'm fine and carry my stilts up the hill. And George walks with me. We go to his car because it's close, and we get to his car and I'm sitting in his car and he's what happened? What happened? What happened? And I'm telling him the story and my phone rings, and I answer and I'm like, oh, it's it's this woman who who I counseled for two years. This woman a near-death experiencer had been hit by a car on her bicycle, broke all of her bones, oh. um, ended up as a, as a biology teacher, got her doctorate at Columbia, is an EMT. She's like this, as an iron woman, she's the super woman now. But, right. but, but at the time that I'd met her, because she was an EMT, she was, and a near-death experiencer, she was struggling with seeing dead people all the time. And Not so she surprised. became she became suicidal with this because she wasn't able to talk to anybody about it. Nobody right. you can't talk to the firefighters, the EMTs or her family. They all thought she was crazy. And, but, you know, she's a brilliant person. Mm-hmm. So suddenly and I counseled her for two years as because she was like lots of NDEers. Many of us have yes. periods of suicidality. And so she went through this period of suicidality that I counseled her through. And but I hadn't talked to her in a year. And my phone rings and I say, hello? She said, what just happened? I Ooh. said, I said, what do you mean? What just happened? I got my buddy George. He's sitting there. Yeah, I'm like, stupid. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so she says, there's a guy here. He just showed up and he wanted to say he didn't mean it. I said, oh. Is he so, a, I look at my buddy George. I'm like, is he a dead guy? <laughs> She's like, yeah. Um, oh. He came to me to say that he didn't mean it. Uh, and so I, I and that he that he he thought you could see him. That's what he 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 saw you and he thought that he you'd be able to see him. He'd been apparently stuck on this bridge and. And so oh. he then, um, and then, so I'm like, I'm kind of pressed, you know, George, oh, I don't know what's going on, George. It's some crazy person on the phone with me. And, or not, I didn't really say that, but I'm like kind of quieting George down a little bit. He takes me into my car and I drive home. And, and as I drive home, I, this entity is in my car with me. 
there's like a like a like a not like a person, like a physical person, but there is no, a person he's, in he's my car. He's following you around. Yes, and so and then he kind of sticks with me. He kind of stays with me for days. Um, I can always sense his presence. You got off the bridge. <laughs> I got off the bridge. He, he and so off the bridge. I, I called my friend up. I said, "What do I do? This guy he's he's sticking with me." And at first, so at first, I thought he sh pushed me. That's what really I was like. I thought uh, when I finally George was gone and I'm talking to her on the phone, I was like, "I thought this guy pushed me." I felt it felt like to me he pushed me. I thought he was trying to kill me. That's what I thought. That he was trying to shove me off the bridge. But really, what he did is he shoved me down. He shoved me to the ground, which is why I did not go over the bridge, because oh. every every single person there, including my buddy and his protege and all of the people that they all he thought I was going to drown. He saved he saved me. Wow. And, and, and so I asked her, I said, how do I what do I do with this guy? Uh, she said, which is the advice that I give everybody now when they're in this kind of situation. She said, just tell him to turn to the light. That's it. Just yeah. tell him it's okay to go home. He doesn't have to stay here. Just tell him to turn to the light. So I did, and mm. off he went. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's just they don't realize. Sometimes I think they, you know, there's a theory that you get bounced out of your body so quick you don't even realize what's happening. You know, there's so many theories, of course, but if he, because you, you know, you kind of wonder why was he stuck on the bridge? He, was, he bridge? was he aware that he was dead? According to your friend, you know, I think he, he would. I, I think he did know that he was not who he was before because right. he thought that I could. He thought that I could see him when no one else could, and so I he did. Was aware. Yeah, he was aware yeah. and stuck there for some reason. I don't <laughs> know why. It, yeah, it's, it's a curiosity as to, especially if you know you've you've passed on. Um, you know, people stay back for many reasons when they're they're passed i think it depends sometimes you die suddenly you don't realize you're dead sometimes it's unfinished business you just you need to reach out to somebody you know especially people who have been killed or in accidents who haven't had a chance to say goodbye or they want people to know this person killed me or you know there's a lot of different reasons um trying to get them to move on sometimes it's not so easy sometimes you're attached to places sometimes you're attached to people things you know it's really really tough to figure it out and i think a lot of it is also mindset if you if you were raised to believe that for example a suicide that you don't have the right to take your own life only god has the right to take your life you take your own life you're going to help well they're going to stick back and take their chances and stay here that I think I'm gonna just hang back. I'm not going to that other place, you know. So I think sometimes it, it is a belief system, and it's it's. I've, I've come across many spirits where I've said, you know, no, your God is loving and forgiving. You can go home. That's you don't where have I'm to. At. Yeah, you don't have to stay. It's ridiculous, because in reality, they stay behind because they're still in the same mindset that they were. When they took their own life, you have to think, how low are you feeling in that moment where you can take your own life? Just because your body no longer works, it doesn't mean your essence, which holds all of your, your emotions and your feelings and your memories, it doesn't mean that goes away. You stay in that moment. I had a family member um, who passed, you know, she took her own life because her mother had and she missed her mother so much 
And she knew because she had seen her mother. She goes, I know she's not moved on. I know she's stuck. She took her own life to go be with her mother. To, to help her, to save her somehow. But her mother wouldn't leave with her. So we went in and grabbed both of them and moved them on. We had to, we went in and we looked for them and we moved them on. So, you know, there's so many different reasons as to why they hang back. But, but I find it intriguing. Like spirits save, will save lives all the time. But the fact that he followed you, you know, obviously there was something about you that yes, you could see them to a, to a spirit. It's believed that a medium or people with a gift of sight is that light in the darkness. So for them, mm -hmm. they gravitate towards that light. And then they just wait for direction. I think children have a really hard time with this because they're natural little psychics and mm. they can't cope with, you know, spirits coming to them, adult spirits coming to them for guidance. They don't know what to do or what to say. And they get plagued with it. Mm. So. Sort of like that movie, Sixth Sense. Yes. Yes. It's exactly like that. Just trying to be like, you know, just like go away, you know, they don't realize that. No, just tell them to move on. Like they're kids. Right. So it's, it's fascinating. So it has, there we go. As Tamara would say being the light in the swamp. Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> so somebody's late Tamara. <laughs> so, late to the party. So, um, so that was a pretty incredible experiences. And have you had experiences as a child or anything like that? Uh, I, I did. Um, uh, the experiences uh, when I was a child were different than, than those. The, I had mystical experiences when I was a kid. They, I started very young and mm -hmm. there was a, there was an entity, a light being that would be sometimes in my closet, but light not beings. Interesting. But uh, sort of standing in the middle of my clothes that were hanging oh, in the crazy. closet. Um, yeah. And, you but see us. <laughs> I right. <need> clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 wigged, it wigged me out as a kid, but they weren't, yeah. they were, it turned out that they were, there was no malicious intent. They would, right. I could just see them. Um, it, it, it began that that's what began a whole long series of things. Um, mm-hmm. I could tell you, uh, I don't know that I want to get into that whole length of story unless you want me to, but because uh, it's, it's hard, it's hard for you to know. It, all right. So as a guest, it's your gig, man. So when, well, I'll come back to that. Let me, okay. let me, let me tell you the one other, uh, more recent little okay. ghost story. You, you and I'll, I'll, I'll swing around okay. to that. So I was okay. out, I was out in Seattle um, for a couple of different speaking events and I rented an electric one speed bike to try it out. And so I took this one speed bike and it was great. And on this, there's this huge bridge in Seattle that is, uh, I don't know, must be four or five stories up. Wow. And it's, and I, you normally drive across it, but I was bicycling across it. So I'm bicycling across the, across this bridge. And as I bicycle, it's, it's got a bend in it. And as I bicycle, I've got this more and more weighty feeling like I'm getting more and more nervous and I'm not, I'm, I am not afraid of heights. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I'm a stilt walker. So, right. so looking over the edge is not, this doesn't give me woozies. Right. Um, so, but I, I have this, this anxious feeling that's growing in me. Like there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. I don't know what it is. And I, and I, and as I come around the corner, it gets more and more intense until I get to the spot where I look down and there is a cross 
uh, of flowers wired to this railing that's you know mm. next to the sidewalk and and then there's a bunch of flowers attached to it so there's all this this like a memorial it's a memorial I'm like this is a memorial and so i right. stop and i have this i have this distinct feeling that somebody jumped and um. i decide that this person it feels to me like this person is still there so i do the same thing you just said um i sent them home i was like you don't have to stay here you can mm -hmm. turn to the light and you can go and then there was this experience i had this experience of lightness um uh, unburdened right and off i went on my bike right so not many experiences in my life but uh so when i was a kid um i had this this event happen and it started out with uh this entity in the closet that i could see the this we had moved into a new house and i was living i had this room by myself but my baby brother who was just born was going to move into the room with me. And before he moved, moved into the room with me in his crib, the door, the closet door was open one night and I could see this entity uh, inside the closet and it was illuminated. It was brighter than anything else in my dark room. And it was a human shaped thing, but it, it was only scary in that it wasn't like attacking me or being monstrous. It was only scary because I didn't know what, what it was and what was but going was, on. I was a little kid. It's intrusive, and, you know, they're in your, your space yeah. where you're supposed to feel the most comfortable and the safest. So, you know, mom, 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 close the closet door, yeah. close the closet door, close the closet door. Close the closet door. What's wrong? So there's somebody in there. There's nobody in there, Peter, but, you know, I'll close the closet door. So that that is all this tumult about my brother moving in, mm -hmm. and so I'm sort of upset. And mm -hmm. and then my, my brother moves into the room that same week. But the, but what happened is is that the I had – because my brother moved into the room, my parent, my grandparents felt bad for me as a kid. And, they, and for my birthday, they gave me a puppy. So I've Aww. got this, I have this puppy and he's my, my little loving puppy. And my brother lives in the room and I love this puppy. And, um, and I was sitting in my room and I don't know where my brother is. He must be downstairs with my mom on this particular Saturday morning. And I suddenly hear, I hear my dad get in the car and I hear him back up. And then I hear him stop and I hear him, I hear the door slam and I hear him say, Oh, I hear my dad scream. Ah! And I'm like, what oh. the heck? And I'm just a little kid. And so I look out the window and my dad is next to the car and the driveway's right below. And he goes behind the car and he picks up my dog. Oh. And he had, he had run over my dog. Oh. And I watched and he's like, ah, ah. And, I, and I'm looking down and my dog is dead in his arms. I'm like, ah. Oh. So I go downstairs and I'm all broken up and we go off to the vet. And, you know, of course, the dog is dead and there's nothing you can do. And I'm all full of tears. And my dad is so remorseful. And my mom's all upset. And every the whole house is in a tumult. And so, right. I, I, so I have this terrible, terrible day. And, and right. I go to bed that night. And my, you know, my, my, my mom comes in and hugs me and my dad apologizes and, and, but I'm, I'm a wreck. And as I fall asleep, I fall asleep. My brother's in the room. I fall asleep. And, and then I awake to hear my name being called. And I, I open my eyes. I hear Peter, 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 right. come to me, come to me. I open my eyes and That's I can creepy. see in my room. My room is illuminated, but it's all in like a sepia tone. All these shades right. of copper and brown. Right. But there's no light in my room. My my mom had left the, the door open a crack with the hall light on, but it was, 
everybody had gone to bed. The hall light was off. My brother's in the room. He's sleeping. But I can see everything in the room. And I thought, well, this is weird. And I keep hearing this, my name being called. And I recognize this voice. I don't, I don't know who it is, but I recognize the voice. And I hear love and compassion in the voice. And it's calling me. So I sit up in bed. And as I sit up in bed, I look down. And I'm still lying down in bed. And I and I looked at him. There's a well, my boy body is in the bed, and I'm and I'm sitting up, and I'm like, oh, well, this is interesting. And I looked down, and I I have feet, um, and it keeps calling to me. And so I stand up, and my feet don't touch the floor. And the voice says to me, "Come to me, come to me, come to me, Peter, Peter, Peter." And so I move to the door, and I reach to the handle of the door. My hand goes right through it. Mm-hmm. And now I can't open the door. And and it laughs at me in this sort of playful voice and says, you don't have to open the door. You just have to walk through it. So I believe, I believe it because I hear, I know this voice. It's this loving voice. And so I walk through the door and I'm out in the hallway and the hallway is all sepia tone too. It's all illuminated, mm-hmm. but the overhead light is off. And I, I move to the top of the stairs and the stairs have a like a right angle turn and there's a little landing where there's a bigger stair. Mm-hmm. Right. And I walk to the edge and I look down because I can hear this voice calling me and there's a, a baby elephant there. And this baby elephant is dressed in a mirrored clothing. Like, like it's got clothes on. It's an elephant, but it's got, Crazy, it's yeah, got right. elephant clothes on. And, right. and it's looking at me and, it, <laughs> and it's, and it's right. Like Babar only, only it's invested not in a tie <laughs> yeah. and a jacket, but in, in, in like what you right. might, but I was also yeah. this. So I set the scene here. I, I grew up outside of Boston and I, I had never seen an elephant in my life. And um, yeah. especially when dressed in Indian uh, clothing. Right. Um, so I, I'm looking down at this elephant and it looks up at me. It's this, it's small elephant, but this elephant has a, it's really old. It, it looks young to me, but it also has this very old feeling to me. And its eyes are pure black. There's no pupils in them. And it looks at me. And when it looks at me, all I feel is compassion. And it, and it weighs me down with its trunk. It's talking to me telepathically. And I float down the stairs and, and, and it's calling my name. And as I look at it, I sort of lift up and flow into its eye. I flow into its eye and, and now I'm inside it. And I'm inside this vast darkness that is full of kindness and compassion. It's just overwhelming with this ancientness, this mm-hmm. power, this, um, I don't know, wisdom, essence. And yeah. then I then I flow back out again. I mean, it's, it's like it's the size of the cosmos I'm in the middle of. And mm-hmm. then I flow back out again. And it showed me itself. And then it says to me, I want to go outside. I want you to go outside. And 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 because it is so loving and I know this entity, I I, I, I can't tell you. If if I was asked as a boy, I couldn't tell you who or what it was, but I knew that it knew me and I knew it and it knew that it loved me. Mm-hmm. And so it motions with its trunk to go down the stairs. So I float down the stairs. I it go it, it's it's with me, but still upstairs on the stairwell, but it's mm-hmm. also with me and it's speaking to me inside my head. Keep going, go outside. So I, I pass just pass through the doors. I pass through the door and the screen door, and I go down the porch, down the concrete walkway, out into the street. And we live in a small city outside of Boston, and it's mm-hmm. up against an apple. It's not our apple orchard, but it's an old, old, overgrown apple orchard, hundreds mm-hmm. of acres of woods. And so it's kind of the edge of the city, and there's no traffic. And, and I'm out in the middle of the street, 
And I knew I was breaking the rules. I knew that my parents would be really upset at me if I, if I was outside of the house at night, but I was felt so safe with this entity talking to me and it said, look up at the stars. And so I look up at the stars There's the stars again, look up at the stars and I see the, the, the starlit sky. And as I look, I'm transported into it in a flash, just like this overwhelming <laughs> movement of me and this expanse of it. And it shows me in infinity it shows me it shows me a glimpse of infinity and it's mm -hmm. it, and it scared me i was it was overwhelming for me i couldn't handle it how old were you oh six five oh, so it was before the dream it was before the dream and mm -hmm. um and in the instant of my fear i'm back in my body again and i sit up in my room and i'm in the pitch dark and, mm -hmm. and, and, but I still have this feeling of love. I still, and there's this little elephant in the house. And so I, I, I got out of bed and I, I went out in the hallway and I went into the bathroom because if my parents heard me, I was like, well, I was just going to the bathroom. Um, but the first thing I did is looked at the stairs and the elephant wasn't there. So I hung out in the bathroom for a little while. And then I searched the entire house. I searched my sister's room. I went and I looked at my parents' room very quietly, made sure they were asleep. I went, I went through all of the rooms of the house. And I'm a little kid. I'm afraid of the dark. I even went down into the cellar and, and clicked on the light and went down and looked all through the cellar for this thing. And it wasn't there. And then I waited for it. I sat by, I sat by the stairs for some mm -hmm. period of time until I got too sleepy. So my, uh, all of this is to say this, is that from early childhood, I've had all sorts of strange experiences. And I, used to th I, 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 learned, I learned as a child not to talk about them. To keep mm -hmm. them to myself because they were uh, they were not well received, they were always right. questioned, and so I learned to keep my mouth shut. And and as I grew older and I went through my life and had other mystical experiences and near death experiences, I I continued to store them in my heart and not share them. When mm -hmm. I came to the conclusion over the years that maybe there's some people who are naturally born mystics and they have these experiences whether it's karmic or not. I don't, mm -hmm. but we do have them and we don't share them because society tells us not to. And there's more of us than we know because none of us share it. And so one of the reasons why I'm here tonight, as I often do is I, I share these, these experiences because I want other people to have the courage to talk about them. I think it's wonderful, and I have I have a, a complete theory, if you want to hear it, based on your experience with this illuminated yeah. being. I believe you were. I believe that this was an extraterrestrial. I believe you've been having these experiences from very early on. I believe that, um, you you know, it doesn't feel to me like this is not just just a. Uh, you know, like, like a ghost. I don't believe it's that. I truly believe that, like you say, people come here. Get, I think, believe everybody's gifted in a way, but we do have light beings that come in. And a lot of us do light work. We take that work. We, we work with the light. We work with the planet. We work with people. We work with animals. We shift and work with power spots. We realign things. It's just something that, that light workers do. And in doing that, chances are it comes from not just a higher power with respect to our creator and the source, but I truly believe that there are a lot of beings out there who do the exact same thing and are here to guide us along. My yes, thought. I, I, I think, I think that 
and I don't know this, I just think this, that um, may have been Ganesh. Um, yes, it sounds exactly maybe like who I, it was. <laughs> that's kind of how it, yes. it struck me. Somebody's got a question over here. But, but there's uh, a belief we'll... that they're definitely extraterrestrial. I will read it. Um, we are Most of our audience is audio because we're an FM station. So we like to mm. definitely bring them up. So uh, Wayne has a question. I've heard theories that the light is an engineered construct to trick us into believing that there, that that is the way home. When in reality, it takes us back into the plane of existence. I've heard this theory and curious as to yours, as to why, you know, they entice us into believing in reincarnation. They entice us into going to the light, but yet to fear the dark. We really shouldn't fear the dark. Some believe that the people who go to darkness are actually time travelers, that sort of thing, who've escaped the cycle. What are your thoughts? I wasn't tricked. When I died, ah. uh, I knew who I was. I knew where I was. I remembered who I was. I remembered where I was. I remembered who I was with. It was, mm -hmm. uh, there was no trickery at all. I, I chose to come back both times. I was welcome mm -hmm. to stay. Uh, I saw other incarnations of my life, other uh, other incarnations of my soul, um, mm -hmm. all of them in timelessness, none of them me. Mm -hmm. uh, they were all experiences that my soul had, but they weren't the totality of myself. Uh, so I, I, I don't, <clears throat> I'm not afraid of of dying. I've spent my whole career helping people die, and. Mm -hmm. Uh, helping them find the light inside themselves so that they can find their way home. I, so that's, it, I, I, I understand that there is a, a theory, but I'm not, I don't mm -hmm. buy it. Okay. Excellent. Tamara's got two comments here. She has a problem with being born sensitive. We don't come with instructions. No. Absolutely. Nope. And most sensitive children learn not to talk. Right. Well, because, so, because you start, you say stuff and people look at you sideways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I try to work with parents um, who have children who talk about seeing things, much like your experience, only they're seeing, like for myself, for example, being a medium, I've seen dead people from very early on. And I'm very fortunate that I come from a family who are very open minded. And my mother would basically ask questions without guiding me. She'd show photographs, and a lot of times it was just deceased family members who I would not have known. You know, she said, you recognize somebody, and I said, well, this person here, oh, this was your grandfather's brother, and blah, blah, blah. You know, so I was not frightened of it. But I think it's like you say, I think we as parents have to guide children to to not fear these these things, or or maybe you should fear them. But when a child comes to you and says, well, I, I've seen something, you know, or they're interacting with a, with a spirit and the parent will say something along the lines of, don't be silly, don't be stupid. There's no right. such thing as imaginary friends, right? So the child now, after a while, because I've seen negative entities mimic children and they go on to, the, the household gets into a lot of trouble. Because a child is looked at as the weak link, easy to manipulate, easy to scare. Um, and it's not always the case, but it is the case many times because that's the type of work I do is work with malevolent entities and clear them mm. out of people's homes, out of their lives. Sometimes people have lifetime attachments. That's mm -hmm. where I've chosen to 
work, you know, in that field. And a lot of times it's the child who's been manipulated and they can't go to the parent because they've been literally made to feel like they're very silly. Therefore they have no one to turn to. So, yeah, well, that's what happens. And then it gets passed on generation after generation. Don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's, my mother said the same thing for a while. It's a family secret. Don't talk about things like that. Mm -hmm. Why not? You know, so I like this. When Tamara says, I made, you know, for my child, I made the paranormal as normal as possible and to look at it logically. So why is the paranormal? Maybe it is the real normal if we're dealing with dimensions and multiverses and things of that nature. Maybe it's this, we're the ones that are out of whack, so to speak, you know? So yeah. I don't know. But it, it just sounds to me because a lot of the gods, you know, Ganesh, for example, a lot of the gods um, were believed, ancient gods, were believed to be extraterrestrials. Hmm. And the fact that you have a connection with one, if this is the being that came to you so lovingly and gave you such an unbelievable experience, it tells me that, you know, you're very special for them to come and just say, we're going to show you something. We all come here and we often don't remember why we don't remember our past lives. You know, we have to go through processes, dying <laughs> to remember them or visions or dreams or downloads or whatever the case may be. But on an average, we don't really remember them. You have these unbelievable children who are born saying, oh, I died over here and this was my wife and blah, blah, blah. You know, they remember their past lives, but on an average, we don't. But we come here for a purpose and we come here to pave the way for something. We come here in this time, this, this space, this place. I think we all come here with a job to do. And some of us have a bigger job than others. And I think that's pretty much you. Well, I job. definitely came back. Job. <laughs> I definitely had a, and an, an another vision I had as a kid, I, I, out of body in the divine presence, I knew that it might, I had a task in life and that yes. I had, I had an agreement before I came here to work mm -hmm. for the divine. And that's how I've spent my life uh, mm -hmm. trying to, trying to help. And <clears throat> I want to answer Wayne. Wayne, Wayne was saying, I'm not afraid of dying, but of coming back against my will. It was, uh, yeah. was a concern. Well, so I, I the last thing I wanted to do after I died the first time was come back here. After I chose to come back here, I asked to come back after I died the first time. Mm -hmm. I immediately regretted it upon coming back. <laughs> uh -oh. What a stupid thing I did. Right. And all I wanted to do was go home. I spent my entire life trying to carve my way back on my interior life through my, my meditative Kriya yoga, Ashtanga yoga kind of things and medit centering prayer practices to mm -hmm. try to create a reconnection to make that connection stronger. Right. But I never wanted to come back. Never, ever. Why would I want to come back to this hellscape? Mm -hmm. As beautiful as it is, it's right. still a hellscape of, of suffering. And right. then I, I died again. And I died again in 2015 um, of a heart attack this time and chose to come back again for a very similar reason. Uh, people in my family needed me to be here. And I mm -hmm. was, for some reason, allowed to make this choice even though I was being welcomed home again, back into the divine presence, I mm -hmm. chose to come back. And after the second death experience, I started thinking about it. it. If I could, if I could be like a bodhisattva kind of person, 
if I, I, I could come back again if I like if I knew who I was, if mm -hmm. I could remember from the beginning my divine self. Uh, maybe I'll come back again if I have the choice. I don't mm -hmm. know if I will have that choice. I don't know whether I'll get sent back to some kind of life here or somewhere else. I'm not really sure. But what, mm -hmm. one thing I did learn when I died the first time is is that the the divine infinity provides us with an opportunity for the for reunion with itself into the inf right. into the infinite. And and I, I I tasted that, and that's all I want. So I mm -hmm. aim my I I. I aim my physical life toward this so that I aim my soul life, my consciousness life toward mm -hmm. this, that that will continue on after my death, whether I get right. incarnated again or I don't get incarnated again. Mm -hmm. Whether the, those incarnations, my past lives, they don't really matter to me in terms of my, the, my soul. Because mm -hmm. the, the, if, I, if I aim myself at the origin of myself, at my original goodness, at my, my higher con highest consciousness, right. that's right. my actual self. And that's, that's really what I'm after. I'm after mm -hmm. being back in that place. Right. Um, right. That's tough because it's, it's like getting a glimpse of, of, of heaven and coming back. And it's like, oh. You know, you just have to finish the task, I think, is what it comes down to. Um, Tamara says, oh, here we go. My God, it's a glitchy tonight. Uh, we're usually given information on past lives if we need the information in this life. Yeah, I believe. I believe that makes that's sense. very possible. Yeah, it's very, very possible. Um, I mean, some people just naturally have it. For me, my a lot of my past lives started coming back in the form of dreams. Hmm. And I, could, I, I was just back there. Um, and I started just. I've had like deceased family members or people from other, my past lives come forward and just start giving me glimpses of things and information. My grandfather who's been deceased for almost 30 years was instrumental in putting me on a path to discover not just past lives, but family lineage mm. that was completely mind blowing. And it answered pretty much everything. So it's wow. like, you know, yeah, well, being in this field also, I tend to, to work with a lot of interesting people from around the world, much like this, you know, like the radio show, you end up meeting so many people. I mean, I spent, you know, a couple of decades filming and being in television and people reaching out to me and, you, you know, you make your connections, much like what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. And you just meet certain people that will look at you and just say, oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I've worked with a lot of gifted people. I'm like, what? for real <laughs> you go and you research it and you're like well crap this is a thing so you know i like to say that you know as much as the listeners learn from people so do we as hosts oh, listen yeah. and learn you uh, know, it's all so about learning learn something new every single day mm -hmm. don't let that go to waste it's a privilege to learn something no matter how little it is if it's something you didn't know before it's a privilege to know it that's how I look at it. I'm so grateful to learn new things and to meet new people. So what's next for Peter? Well, um, I am flying out to LA to meet my uh, movie producers in about a week and a half. So I sold, my second book has been optioned for a film. I've been working with these people for two years. Thank you. And I'm flying out to have dinner with them. And, Ooh, dinner and, sounds serious. 
<laughs> well, it's it, it's it's the next step along the way. I still have a yes. couple of chapters to write for them, and uh, I should be done with my part of it coming up in the next few months. But mm -hmm. then it'll it'll move off to the next level. It takes quite a number of years to get a project this large underway, and we've been at it for mm -hmm. two years, and this is the first time I've, I'm going to meet them face to face. And one of them is a near death experiencer. So that's oh, so that's how this will be a, a film or documentary on your near death experience. Yeah, they're talking about a, a feature film and or it, it depends. They're they're some of it's up to the script writer. I'm not the script writer. But my book is essentially act two. If you ever if you ever studied Shakespeare, there's three acts in every Shakespeare right. play. My book right. is act two and they needed an act one introduction and they needed an act three. And so I've been working with them on other parts of my life, stories from other parts of my life to construct this movie with them. So right. that's what I've been doing. And once I'm done that project off, it goes off to the script writer and they make decisions on what it's, what kind of series or feature film and mm -hmm. off it. Then it, you know, maybe right. you'll see it on the big screen. Well, I mean, you know, you've shared your experiences um, you know, with us, this is like what third, fourth time. This has been, you know, fantastic. So like we know each other now. We do. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. I know. It's just like we're just sitting there, you know, having having a drink and having a convo. I love it, though. I love it, and I would love to see your story um, come to light. And I hope they do it justice because the way you tell it, you make us feel like we're there with you as you're experiencing everything. So I really hope they do it justice and give it that same that same feeling because it just makes it that much more special. Well, I have, I have confidence. So it's a divorced couple. Ooh. She's, she's the near death experiencer and that ended mm -hmm. up. That's what caused the divorce near death experience marriages. Oh. We do, when you die in the middle of a marriage and you come back, a lot of those marriages don't make it. Most of them. Really? Um, and wow. but, but they still work together and he's a, he's he's made some major films and done really well with them. And mm -hmm. so I trust, I trust him. And mm -hmm. I trust her and we'll see what happens. I hope so. Wow. It, it could fall apart. You know, th this, th this business I've learned is very flighty. And so it, you know, it we is. could be right at the, like just about two weeks ago, I read in the paper or in the news about some big movie that was, they dumped all this money into and they're just about to go into production and they, they canceled it. It was like Catwoman. I think it was Catwoman. Why they, would they, they do that? They just canceled this movie. It's like all this money. And they're like, no, we're not doing that. Oh, oh okay. Um, so I know that that can happen. So, But so far, so good. We're still right. moving along in the right direction. And they wanted to meet They wanted to bring me out and meet me. And so that's what's going on. I get to go out and hang out yeah. in their in their fancy places and and eat some fancy food with them and just talk business. Be a hobnobber. Uh -huh, I'll be hobnobber. <laughs> I'm gonna be a hobnobber. Uh, uh, I thought I, I thought I'd show up as in my LL Bean outfit in LA. You know, <laughs> yeah, my LL Bean boots and my flannel shirt and maybe a piece of 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 of, of you know a stalk of grass in my mouth or something. Um, my straw. Oh my I don't know. god, that's you're funny. You're hilarious. My gosh. Okay, let's see. Before we, because we're nearing the the slowly nearing the top of the hour, we're gonna we're gonna hit uh, one or two more comments. I once asked the universe to explain things to me, and the voice said, "You do not need to know." <laughs> I replied, "But I want to know." And the reply was, "Your essence already does. Your physical can't right. comprehend it." This is truth. Your brain, the brain. So w one of the things I about near death experience. Whenever you hear a near death experience, you tell a story about mm -hmm. their experience. It's all metaphor. 
It's all right. simile and metaphor because because the brain cannot comprehend who we, we are because we have no brains over there. There's no physical body. No. It's so all there's we, it, there's no comprehension. The soul really does know. So the mm -hmm. process of a spiritual growth process involves not the accumulation of anything, but the negation of something. And mm -hmm. it's the negation of self. The more The more we practice the elimination of our own egoic mind and the story we tell ourselves, the more we remember who we are, who we mm -hmm. actually are. Even if mm -hmm. the brain can't comprehend it, the consciousness does. And that has an inter interface with the brain. And so the brain has some access to it. It's just uh, right. can't ever grasp it. Right. And it makes complete sense. Complete sense. Uh, Tamara, death is always a harbor of change, good or bad. Yeah, yeah, I'm, well, I'm a near-death experiencer. Yeah. Like you know, Wayne is a near-death experiencer. Funny, he taught he's coming up with those those things. You know. Well, hey, if you guys uh, are going to mention the International Association for Near-Death Studies, do and it. Don't yourself. <laughs> well, this is IANDS, I A N D S dot org. It's I'm, I'm part of this organization. It's a scientific-based organization that researches NDEs for the last okay. forty years, and there's a yeah. very large community of near-death experiencers around this group. And uh, I just came back from our conference. Uh, I was the MC for this conference, a science conference in Salt Lake City, a couple of weeks ago. And the what makes it so attractive for me to go is that there's lots of near-death experiencers who go to this thing. Next year is going to be in Virginia. And there's mm -hmm. a radiance, there's a collective radiance that occurs in this conference because of the, the bubble of light that all of these NDEers carry with us. Um, so can, can you say that again? I'm going to put it sure. right in chat. It's the internet, IANDS.org. Got it. I A. A N D D S dot org. Okay, dot. I'm just gonna put it up here because it'll hit all of the I N N I A N D S. My gosh, it's got the S. It'll go through all eight chat rooms simultaneously. So there it goes. There we go. Great. So IANS is an association of scientists. Uh, university-based skeptics who've researched mm -hmm. near-death experience and uh, and a whole lot of us who are near-death experiencers. And So how uh, is that when you have a skeptic saying to you, well, that's I the most common this. thing they say? No, it didn't Well, happen. these guys, these people are researchers. So they're, they're not, they're, 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 they're scientists and they approach right. it with scientific method. And They've done. They've been researching this for forty years. People like uh, Raymond Moody and uh, Pim von Lommel and uh, Bruce Grayson, names you may or may not know. Bruce has a new book called After, which is fabulous. Uh, mm -hmm. But I want science. I I I like science. I want science to examine this because how else are we going to convince the people who don't have an experience? They're going to need evidence. I don't need mm -hmm. evidence. Anybody who's right. had an experience. That the experience is the evidence, but for people right. who don't have an experience, if if we want this to be um, more socially acceptable, we need some science backing it, uh, right. and so, at least among certain populations. And the science is showing that the science doesn't know where consciousness comes from, um, and that there true. are these but at phenomena. Least they admit it's there, though, don't but they? But they like do. A, they admit it's there. Yes, and, and that's that, a big step. <laughs> and there and there's. So in a court of law, if there's a if there's an accumulation of you can convict on an accumulation of circumstantial evidence and right. NDE is sort of like that. There are tens of millions of us who come back and tell similar 
their stories about love and light on the other side. And that's those two words, light and love show up like 70% of the time in all of our right. conversations. Um, that's a lot of evidence that this is real and that, that right. piques the interest of these people. And so they want to, they want to look at this and find some evidence. And there was this guy named Sam Parnia. He was a, or is, I think he's an, he's a, a cardiac anesthesiologist surgeon. And he was at Stony Brook at, in uh, New York and in Birmingham University in England. And, and people were coming back in, from the dead in his, in his surgery. They, they would say stuff to him like, I died and I, you know, I saw God. And he's like, you did not. And, and so he decided to start to wire them up during surgery and see if they died and, and find out what the stories after. In mm -hmm. his second he did these things, two studies called the AWARE studies, AWARE mm -hmm. study one and AWARE study two. And in AWARE study two, his conclusion was this, that consciousness continues to exist after death for a period of time. He doesn't know how long because he's a scientist. That's what he's willing to say. He's willing to say that consciousness continues to exist after death for a period mm -hmm. of time because he could measure it. That's a big step for people. That's like mm -hmm. that's like getting on the news sort of big step. Oh, oh what, what? Conscious? You, you can measure this thing? That's right. uh, noetic. That's right. Noetic, uh, the noetic. noetic yeah, yeah. Right. Noetic scientist. Right. Yeah. Um, so so I'm all for science looking at it. Uh, I don't need science to convince me because right. here we it's are. real. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's kind of hard to, yeah, to say that to somebody who's been through it, you know. But I mean, I agree. You have to go go through the motions, and if science backs it, well, then you one it's one more step, I guess. One to, more step, you know. Maybe at least they admit that the essence goes on after death. They right. Don't know where the heck it goes? It's a big. It's a big deal. But it's a big deal. It is. It, it is. Because how long did it take to get to that point? Uh, we're what twenty twenty two. It's taken a long time to get to that. Yeah, point. except for that, it's longer than that. It's three hundred thousand years the, for Homo sapiens. You know, we've been around for a it's long true. time. It's um, true. It's true. Agreed. Agreed. Well, we are there at the top of the hour, and I really want to thank you for coming on. It's always such a pleasure to have you on. It's just almost as like you're, you know, I always say like you're one of the the listeners' fan favorites. <laughs> so it's always nice. So we'll have, yes, right. <laughs> we'll have to do it again. As always, you okay. know, um, let us know when you're, when you uh, get that film out there and we'll For sure. It. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm available for conversation and counseling and uh, wisdom conversation at peterpanagor.love. I have a specialty in mystical experience, um, obviously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Yes, sure. <laughs> right. Lots. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great. Uh, I, as you can see, we've got the website down at the bottom here, and that stays there forever. So, um, Amen. People, yes, and you are very welcome, Carrie. Thank you guys for tuning in. You guys are wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, thank you, and I will be in touch. Good. All I right. will see you soon. Peace and love, everybody. And to you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, here we go always 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 a pleasure when um when we have peter on as always he's just so much fun and um look at that i lost my work look, jesus get me all frazzled and confused here it's hard because i'm solo <laughs> anyway um i didn't even get to do our station id tonight i was just so enthralled in everything that was going on but we want to thank everybody 
for for joining in tonight. You guys make it so much more exciting uh, when you get into chat. All your questions and comments are very, very important. Uh, we do appreciate it. So thank you for participating. Uh, big thank you to Peter Penagor. Just honestly, I just adore him. And it's always a pleasure having him join us. Huge thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring the show. Uh, big thank you to Dr. Snick, Justin Snicker for providing his music and his voice for the intro and the outro. Um, and of course, big thank you, United Public Radio, UFO Paranormal Radio, our networks. Thank you, 105.3 FM. Thank you, thank you. Um, if you guys want to contact us, please don't do it on social media. Please contact us at theouterrealmcontact at gmail.com, theouterrealmcontact at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you're seeing or hearing, no matter what platform you're on, please just give us some love, subscribe, you know, like us up, join the group, whatever it takes. We work really hard to bring you guys good guests and great content. I'm going to be a harpy, just commercials, people do it. You want to promote yourself, do it in a cheap way. Tell us about yourself. Just make sure that Folgers is somehow in the mix because that stuff that goes out and that stays on the archives forever and ever we periodically will pop them up but our archives tend to hit hundreds of thousands of people sometimes millions um and that just stays there forever and ever so i think it's a it, it works for everybody involved so next week guys we are starting to we're in october so that's spooky month so we're going to start having a lot of fun wednesday night we bring back charles christian all the way from the UK. Now, Charles had his own radio show right here on the network for a really long time. And it, it, it involves all kinds of information, cryptids, ghosts, UFOs, you name it. So he's going to help us kick off October uh, spooky month with some really amazing tales from over the pond. And uh, he's going to try to try to make it spooky as he can. But at the end of it all, it's just always so interesting because when it happens in the UK, you know it's good stuff. <laughs> so anyway, check out his archives on the show. He's been on with us twice um, to give you a feel, you know, for what he's all about before we uh, we get into another segment. Thursday night, for the very first time, we're going to be welcoming uh, fellow UPRN hosts, uh, Phil and Julia Syracusa, host of the Horsefly Chronicles, and they air every uh, Monday night at 8 p.m. They're on for an hour. They're a lot of fun, really great people. And they basically had a really, really haunted house. They went through really horrific times and uh, unbelievable things. And they're going to come and share that with all of us. So um, definitely tune in. You're not going to want to miss it. And tomorrow night, Church of Mabus, 8 p.m. And of course, The Centralist, a 10 and that's always heated whole other type of conversation but um does really well and people love it so check them out so i'm going to leave you with that and i'm going to say good night and we're going to send bubbles some more really good well wishes because we want her to feel better so everybody good night have a fantastic safe weekend